0: Welcome to The Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson, and I want to tell you again what a joy it is each week to have you joining me in these conversations where we get to talk about the power of the father-daughter relationship. Yet as many of you have often told me, these principles and these tools also apply to your relationships with your sons too, which I love. And as you know, the template that I use to guide our conversations each week is On Your Mark, Get Set go. Imagine yourselves, dads, standing side by side each other, getting ready to run your fathering race this week. And I'm on the sidelines saying, on your mark, get set, go. On your mark is the topic or the theme. Get set as I'm filling that in with stories and stats. And go is always your action step where you can put your love for your daughters and your sons into action this week. Well, I'm so excited to have a guest coach joining me here today in the studio, and her name is Bo Stern. She is one of my dearest friends, and out of her busy schedule, she has carved out time to be here, and I'm so grateful. She's a mom to four, a grandmother to two, a pastor in Bend, Oregon, a highly sought-after national speaker, and a self-proclaimed world-class procrastinator who loves words when they're woven into stories. I love that. She is a master storyteller, a truth speaker and a brilliant theologian who loves making truth relevant and practical. She's written three books. She has more on the way. And in her own words, she says, My dearest dream is that each one makes you laugh, cry, and believe that you can become the best self in the middle of the hardest fight. Bo has recently launched a forum that includes a tribe of courageous women who write relevant blogs and host day retreats where the invitation is to come with authenticity while seeking God in the middle of the realities of everyday life. It's called Sheology. Bo has also started the Edge of the Wild Conference that has a great subtitle that I think you'll love. It's Following Jesus into the Adventure of Yes. And it's a conference that has been created out of the beauty that she found on the battlefield. And Bo loves to share the strategies that she's used while restarting her life during her first years of widowhood. And I'm so happy that you're here today. Welcome, Bo Stern.
1: Thank you, Michelle. I'm so happy I'm here too. Yay,
0: finally, we've been preparing for this and here we are. Well, on your mark today, we've come up with this title, Mrs. Dad, when a mom needs to step into the dad role. Mm -hmm. And I've done the opposite side where I did Mr. Mom, right, with a single dad. And now we want to talk today to single moms who are in that role, usually not by choice, and yet, either due to divorce or widowhood, they're there, and you come with experience in this area. So, how about if we start, Bo, by you just sharing and setting the stage for our conversation today by telling us how you've come to this place of being what we're calling Mrs. Dad?
1: Yeah, well, I was married to a really good man for 30 years, and he was very strong and wonderful. But in 2010, we knew something was wrong with him, and he eventually, after five months, was diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And that launched a four year battle for his life, and where me and my family stepped in and took care of him. And then he finally went to be with Jesus on July seventeen, 2015. And um, so then so I was I while he was sick and like literally paralyzed inside his own body, I started kind of being doing the dad stuff then, not all of it. He was a, he still loved the kids so much mm-hmm. and was able to speak into their lives still. But then the last three years for sure has been my my widowhood, single mom journey. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then the years since, like you say, so lots of years of stepping into that role. Well, when I had reached out to you and said, what would you think about having this conversation today? I thought I would let our listeners in on on what that sounded like just to lead into this conversation. So how about we do, we'll do a little role play. So here's the email that I sent to you. I said, I have an idea that I wanted to run by you, Bo. I was thinking about how you had to wear a different hat as a mom after Steve died, covering bases that Steve would have formerly covered and not that you have been a dad necessarily to your kids, but I know you've had to step in at times when other men haven't been available and have had to be a dad of sorts at times. And at other times you've had to find men to cover certain bases. So then I said, as a single mom, Can you speak to what struggles you've had as a mom who doesn't want to be in the single parent role, but there you are? And you wrote me right back. Mm -hmm. So how about you read what (laughs) you said to me?
1: (laughs) And I said, oh gosh, Michelle, this so resonates. I'm trying to to read in all caps as I was writing it to (laughs) you. (laughs) I'm watching so many of my single mom friends try so desperately to fill the dad gap for their kids that they expose them to dangerous situations situations that are far worse than growing up without a dad in the home. Or they try to force certain relationships into existence when I think the best thing we can do as single moms is to teach our kids to understand the reality of God as good, good father. The absolute rock-solid certainty that his heart is specifically toward the fatherless. So yes, I'm all in.
0: (laughs) There's so much in what you wrote there that that's going to guide our conversation today. So just unpacking that a little bit. I just would love to ask you first, what has it been like for you to be Mrs. Dad when that wasn't a role you prepared for or ever thought you would be in?
1: Right. Well, and in, in all of the things including taking care of my dying husband, losing him, being a widow, being a single mom contains for me the most poignant moments, the most where I felt the most in over my head. I could say I can do single life. I I can take care of myself that's a, i've learned how to use a nail and hammer and right. that kind of thing but when i run into an issue with the kids there's so much loneliness in not being able to talk to steve about it someone who knows them and loves them there's just no one's ever going to love your kids like your spouse right. is supposed to and so i and i know there are single women out there whose spouses don't they feel like that i don't have that partnership with them so i get that But it's been very – those are my most lonely moments when I feel like one of my kids is up against something, and I want to even, like, text Stephen Heaven. I want to, like, just get some sort of input from him. And I've had to be willing to bring in other voices and to be really humble about getting input on my parenting because I don't I don't know what I'm doing and it's hard to do it alone and so I realize I'm doing this in a vacuum unless I reach out and let some coaches into the game with me.
0: And how have you chosen those people whose voices you've let speak into your life or your kids' lives?
1: Yeah, I have chosen them intentionally, people with experience people in fact two of the mentors in my life don't actually have children but they know God as father mm. and in their own lives have known it so well that it helps me you know kind of they they have a perspective i really value and they know me and my weaknesses and my strengths and so there are four women who have been really mentors to me and then there are i have brothers in law who have been really valuable resources for me in raising my kids And then even just like one of the things I hated thinking about when Steve got diagnosed was like, who's going to walk my daughters down the aisle? And then when Tess got married, I sat in the front row as her brother-in-law, Corey, who's been like a dad to her, walked her down the aisle. And I see the places where God has provided, not exactly even at all as I expected, but so beautifully. Like you just see, he is a father to the fatherless. He provides what you need.
0: Oh, that is so good. Well, back to this thing then, that you alluded to is how have you processed your own grief and loss while you're having to give out to your kids to cover the bases, perhaps, where even finding those voices or coaches while you're grieving? What can you say about that part of it?
1: Well, I do a lot of journaling. Every morning I start with, How am I and how are my people? And I ask myself hard questions How, really, how am I doing in front of God? How am I doing? And what is going on in the hearts of my kids that needs to be addressed? And maybe it doesn't need to be addressed by me. Maybe it just needs to be prayed over with the Lord, or maybe I need to reach out. And so really starting without flailing, like, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know what I'm doing, starting every morning and going, okay, what's going on? Mm. I'm not in over my head because I'm carried in this. Um, and really just asking the Lord to come in and provide and show me where they need to go. And sometimes I don't feel like I'm going to get the answer, but I'm, now I'm almost four years out and I always have stumbled my way into it.
0: And I, I really want to highlight, Bo, what you said is you have to get your land legs first right. every morning. You got to get grounded mm-hmm. or you can't give out to your kids. And what I hear from single moms is the needs are so great that it's almost from the minute their eyes open in the morning, they're running. I mean, the needs are are greater than they have a capacity for. So you would say to single moms who are wearing a dad hat, you got to get your own oxygen mask on first.
1: You got to, even if you can only do it once a week, even if there, but if you have some time that's sacred to you where you can say, I've got to have this moment and, and even write a little, I am so into writing things down, but write a little chart and say, what would it take? For me to have two hours every week to just to myself, what kind of childcare would I need? So what good. kind of help with laundry would I need? What would I need? And then when people reach out and say, how could I help? You've got, oh, you could do this very thing. Mm-hmm. But we have to be humble enough to ask for the help we need
0: in order to take
1: care of ourselves. And that's been hard for me. It's been no joke, but I've had to do it.
0: Because you, you, can't, you can't act like you can do it all.
1: Right. I had to ask men to teach my son how to drive. Because I'm terrible at that. And I knew this is going to ruin my relationship with my child if we try this any more times. And so these men stepped in and did all his driver training with him. And it was beautiful and hard. It was hard both Steve and I to watch him leave the house with other people to go driving, but it was beautiful. And Josiah knew that, that these men have stepped into my life to fill a place that my dad can't fill and not even my mom can fill. Yes. And he's had to learn to depend on God for what he needs as well.
0: Well, I mean, just hearing you say that, like, I'm I'm getting a visual because I met Steve. I've been in your home. I've Mm -hmm. seen him in the wheelchair imagining what that must've been like for him as a dad to watch his son, you know, doing things with other men that he wished he could have done. And yet I so appreciate that you're saying this was the raw reality we lived in and we weren't trying to pretend it wasn't hard Mm -hmm. or that it was different. And I think the more women can be honest about how hard it is. It doesn't sound like you were venting that to your children a lot.
1: No, mm-mm. my kids didn't need to feel like they were a burden too. Mm-hmm. And so mostly I tried to keep that in. I didn't do it perfectly, but mostly I tried to, to walk that out with um, Jesus and the coaches in my life as my support. And the kids were, not I tried to not have them be my primary support during that time, even though I'm super close to my daughters and would like to lean on them for that. They that, that just wasn't a time where they could handle
0: Yeah, because they're in their own grief process. They are.
1: They're dealing with their own things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think they tried not to lean on me too much for that, which uh-huh. was a real, it was an upender in my family. That's like not how we usually do things, but that's how we had to get through
0: uh-huh. this. Well, how about if we now turn the corner and make this really practical? We've been talking about the emotional side of the transition. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the practical Dynamics of being Mrs. Dad because you you wrote a story this week or posted something on on social media that was so hilarious to me because it was so real and so raw. How about you share the story of what actually just happened?
1: How about we open the vault of my <laughs> mistakes and let other people come inside? So my son is eighteen and he just graduated from high school and we he doesn't we don't have super strict rules with cur- curfew and stuff and he's just a good guy and I trust him a lot. And so my word for this year has been believe the best. That's what I'm trying to do with everyone. With It's just a, it's a big deal with God, with everyone. I want to believe the best. So I texted him while he was at church and said, hey, buddy, I need you to come home tonight and get the garbage out because it goes out really early in the morning. And I need you to do a couple things around the house. And he texted me back. You got it. And then I went to bed, and there was this conversation going on over my phone with text. And so I turned it off. I silenced it. And I was so tired, and I went to sleep, and I woke up sometime in the middle of the night and realized Josiah hasn't come home. And then I look at my phone, and he has tried to call me and text me, and he just texted me and said, hey, I'm crashing at Hans's house tonight, his friend's house. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that kid, that little booger, I can't (laughs) believe he did not come home. And he was supposed to do that. And he told me he would. He told me he would. And it's not unlike him to to text me and say I'm going to stay at somebody's house, but it is totally unlike him to not come home when he says he promises. And then I'm like, we're going to miss the garbage because I'm not going to get up and do it in the middle of the night. And this is so frustrating. And I am going to have a talk with him and we are going to have lunch and I'm plotting out my things. Mm -hmm. And then like 5.30 in the morning, he calls me again. And when I see it, it's him. I'm like, oh, he feels so bad. He's calling me. And I answer, hi, Joe, what's up? And he's like, I'm outside. Can you let me in? And so I'm going to let him in and I'm still mad at him. And then it starts to sink in. I locked him out of the house. I locked him out of the house. I had the storm door locked because it had been a pretty day and I left it open. And I'm going, he tried to call me. He tried to text me and my phone was silent and I didn't wake up. And he had to find a place to stay because he couldn't get into his own house. And I had the whole time just been missing these pieces of the story, even though the pieces were about me. Like I had these keys about what I had done that had made it impossible for him to do it the way I mean, I set him up for failure, but I didn't know it. Exactly. And then when it all came in, I'm like, "Oh, I am so sorry." And he was so sweet about it. But he had come home early to take the garbage out, and so oh my that goodness, sometimes we just fail. So the
0: believe the best piece yeah. got got challenged.
1: Yeah, and I realized I'm not doing that. I let my the narrative in my head mm-hmm. played out a thousand directions about what Josiah was really doing and what he was doing. Uh-huh. And honestly, if I had Steve. I would have said to him in the middle of the night, Josiah texted me, da, da, da. and Steve would have been like, Bo, you're, you're crazy. Yeah, I mean, he's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. And I would say, okay. But because I don't have that yes. balancer that says, I love you, but you're crazy. Mm-hmm. I had to, uh, oh, oh, and I went off course. I just went off course for a whole,
0: you know, two hours. Exactly. Well, yeah. let me highlight one thing you told me is that you do have a different balancer now. And his name is Jesus. And you have a father because you said right before you got to the door to let him in.
1: Yes. What happened? I just dawned on me. Uh-huh. And I'm so glad. Download, yes. Right? <laughs> because I would have gone to the door guns blazing, like yes. uh, welcome home, buddy, truant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And instead I knew I opened the door
0: repentantly.
1: Yes. <laughs> humbly. I was like, I'm so sorry, Joe, I locked you out. I'm so sorry. Isn't that powerful yes. At the
0: last second, mm-hmm. You get this download, and that to me says you did have a balancer. It was a different yeah. Husband. And
1: I will say that it wasn't the last second. Even while I was in my bed, railing over it, I felt the Holy Spirit going, oh. "Wait a minute, girly, wait a minute." And I just, I just went on in my own thinking. I'm just like, "No, this is bad. This is bad," and I've got to fix him.
0: Okay, so we're saying single moms. Yeah, you know, it's really saying who is who is my partner in life. I do have. Yes. A trinity. That's yes. three in one. They're wrapped around you. You're four. Yeah. Like you're not alone yeah. in this role. Mm-hmm. Well, you've also talked about knowing, you'd said in that intro about where you and I wrote that many single moms have exposed their kids mm. to dangerous situations, all in a desperate attempt to fill the gap, the dad gap for mm-hmm. their kids. Can you say more about what you've seen and heard now that women are opening up to you because they know you get it?
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of statistics tell us there's nothing worse in this world than being the—especially the son of a single mom. Like, there's big statistics about the people in prison that are raised by single moms. And so society keeps sending us this message, you, the worst thing in life is to have fatherless kids. And so I watch women I just go after whatever they can to fill that hole, and they mm-hmm. bring men into their homes too soon— in terms of being in a romantic relationship with them, trying to get them to fill the dad role. Um, and so they bring them in too soon and they expose their kids to risk or they take it too fast and their kids aren't ready to adapt to that. And any man mm-hmm. is not a good replacement for a child's dad. It, just any man that they oftentimes it's way more dangerous mm-hmm. than teaching your kid. I know that this is not. The best case scenario in your mind, not having a dad in the home, but you do have a father. And really leading your kids to that idea of you have a good, good father. And the Bible says you have the advantage of his eyes being specifically on the fatherless. Mm -hmm. God loves the fatherless and cares for them and is For them. And so really leading your kids to that source, I think is better than trying to bring in a substitute. Not that there's not ever going to be, you know, and can I just say to dads out there who are good dads and are listening to this, however you can help Single moms with wisdom—I mean, use wisdom yes. in that relationship. But they do need people to help their kids learn to drive, and to—I mean, we need do help. Hard work yeah, sometimes it, you can lighten the load in yes. some way there, and it's really helpful. Oh,
0: that is so good. I love that it's so practical, and that you're yes. speaking to both men and women. Well, now let's talk survival strategies as a single mom who is wearing a dad hat. So you've no doubt, like you said today, learned some things the hard way, mm-hmm. made mistakes. How about if you share maybe another story or two of something you wish you'd done differently mm-hmm. in this journey walking along you know kind of uncharted path to learn how to be a mrs. dad
1: yeah I wish I would have insisted in the very beginning that my kids get counseling throughout the journey like so that they were set up mm. to feel more equipped when Steve got sick and then died um, I wish I would have insisted on that I uh, wish I would have not demanded so much of myself, get it right, get it right, get, do all the things right. I, a lot of times as single moms or single dads, we think that we have to make it up to our kids that they've been through whatever they've been through that leads them into this moment. And so when anything would happen in their life, I'd be like, well, that's not fair. They're already going through all this. And I remember when God was so clear with me, you don't have to make up for what they're experiencing. Mm. You don't have to like fill in all the blanks. You don't have to make their life exponentially better because of this. I'm, I've am i got it. This is their story and I'm walking with them in it. And I I think I felt responsible for their story. And it was good for me when I realized God is responsible for their story, ultimately. I don't have to defend him to them. I don't have to convince them that he's good. He's going to show himself good. So I wish I wouldn't have been so angsty about that.
0: It almost reminds me, I mean, again, of conversations I've heard where women feel like they have to almost double their capacity. Exactly. Like when you yeah. said, I have to make up for the yeah. lack over here, which is literally humanly impossible. It's
1: impossible. And I think that's part of what makes us shoot out and look for another to bring another partner in Mm -hmm. too quickly because we're trying to do something that's
0: impossible. And I'm like, how do I fix this? Well, I'll bring somebody in to help me with this load. So it would seem that you would have to have times where you would just let it not be filled in. You wouldn't fill in the gap and you would have to be disappointed and sad that your child didn't get the need met. Yes. And you
1: have to trust God with them and their sorrow. And that's hard for me because I want to fix their sorrow that from the Uh. minute they're born, you want to fix what hurts for them. And this was a case that I couldn't fix it. And trying to fix it was almost invalidating it for them. Because right. it was like a fix it, fix it. And they just had to sit in just like I had to sit in it. I had to experience it and live in it. And we still do. We still, like, even though I'm in a new relationship and all of those things, I still have the grief. And so do they. Yes. And it's that's OK. Sorrow doesn't kill us. It's OK. It makes us soft. It makes us beautiful. And it, we we can handle sorrow, but it's when we try these false fixes, it gets weird.
0: You're right. Yeah. Well, if you're just listening, I'm talking to Bo Stern and the title today, Mrs. Dad, when a mom needs to step into the dad role. Well, how about now, Bo, if we go to the positive, mm-hmm. what are some things that you're glad you did the way you did? Let's say you did right.
1: Yeah. Uh, one of the things was I'm glad I wasn't afraid of other people being in their lives I'm glad that I opened the door to that even though there are times people will step in and promise things to your kids and not show up and not deliver. Mm-hmm. It was a good teaching moment to say those people are wonderful but they're overloaded and they certainly shouldn't have promised something they couldn't deliver, but let's not let's not worry about what doesn't happen. Let's move on and still trust people. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that I've trusted people in my kids' lives. Um, I'm glad that I have done a lot of talking with them, even though some of the talking has been painful. I think life parenting is one long conversation. It's just (laughs) conversation. And so I'm really glad that I've, I've set up some things in my life where I talk. I'm really glad that we have done family dinner every Sunday night. And I haven't, it's a way to touch base with all the family. And then the rest of the, because most of my kids are grown, the rest of the week I can say they're probably okay. Uh-huh. Everybody's probably okay. I don't have to check in every day, but this is a, this is sort of our little meeting point where I can make mm. sure we're still together, we're still a family. Um, and you I'm,
0: were doing that before Steve died. So you've yeah. kept a tradition going?
1: Yes. And we've tried to keep all the traditions going and be faithful to them, even though they feel different.
0: Well, you know that I love to end every show with a go step. So if you, Beau, could, could be talking face-to-face with women out there that are in this Mrs. Dad role, is there anything that you would love to leave them with? You've given us so many beautiful tips today and truths, but what would you say to women that are forced, really not by mm-hmm. choice, to be in a Mrs. Dad role? What would you tell them this week to do to put their love for their kids into action?
1: I think as much as you can, if you can reframe this story, in your life and say, God has trusted me with this great adventure of launching out into the world with these humans. And I get to be in their life in such a significant way. All they need is, they need me to just be me. They don't need me to be who the I don't have to fill in all the gaps, but this is an adventure and God has trusted us. And so how can we make this adventure great? How can I reframe the story from being totally burdened, hardship. I'm another statistic. Uh-huh. I am God's choice for this adventure. And I'm going to lead my child in it. And I'm going to trust him with all the huge mistakes I make because uh, married couples make mistakes. Yeah. So you have and, to have grace Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I asked Josiah recently, buddy, is there anything missing in our home? Because we're alone. He and I have been alone in our house for three years and all the kids moved out and it was him and I. And he said, well, no, I think that a lot of kids who have two parents don't talk to them as much as I you and I talk, Wow. and so that's been an intentional thing to really talk with Joe and be a part of his life, and and um, so just do do what you can do, and then trust God with the rest of it yes. because He's really faithful.
0: And like you said, a good, 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 good Father. father. Yeah. Oh, I love this. Well, Bo, it's been a joy to have you here today. Bo Stern has been my guest, and the title has been "Mrs. Dad" when a mom needs to step into the dad role. As always, know that you can go to my website at drmichellewatson.com, where I have more free resources for you, a link to Amazon, where you can find my book, and it's now available on Audible. So I'm Dr. Michelle Watson, signing off on The Dad Whisperer, encouraging you to make today, dads, a day where you are intentional and consistent in pursuing your daughter's heart. Go, dads.